Matthew twenty-five fourteen through 18. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Good morning. It is good to see everyone out this morning. Thankful for your presence and your interest to come worship God with the people of God. We hope that you will take out your Bibles and study along with us. We're going to be studying from Matthew chapter 25 this morning from the parable of the talents as was just read before us or part, a portion of that, the introduction to that parable. One quote that I found to be very interesting is from woman named Irma Bombeck. She was an American writer who wrote over 4,000 newspaper columns and articles. In the 1970s, her columns were nationally syndicated and read by over 30 million people. She was writing and publishing right up until her death. Her last article that was published was only five days before she died in 1996. And Irma Bombeck lived by this kind of quote right here. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left. And I could say I used everything you gave me. That is certainly a good sentiment, I think. That we need to be recognizing our purpose in life. What we are here to do is to serve to the utmost of what we have. That everything that the Lord has given us, that we are ready to use in administration of His kingdom. And even as Christians, I think we need to think in the kinds of terms as what this quote emphasizes. That we need to ask ourselves, and we need to think very carefully, have we attempted to discover and embrace our spiritual talents and abilities? Have we tried to discover what we have that can be put into the service of the King? Are we trying to use those talents for the Lord? That's the heart of the message of the parable of the talents. That as Jesus was teaching His disciples about how we ought to be good stewards, and really that's the the big overarching principle of this parable is that we have been given something by God. And we need to use that as a good steward, as a good manager would use. The resources and the tools that we have available, the talents that have been given to us, that have been put under our charge. What are we doing to use those things? In Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 through 18, which we had in our reading, we Learn that this man, he, he finds, he's about to go on a journey, and so he finds three people, three other guys that are able to manage his accounts. 
And so he gives one of them five talents, the other two, and the other one. And we learned that the one with five talents, he went and traded and made five more talents. The same was true about the one with two talents. But that one talent guy, sometimes we refer to him as the one talent man, he dug a hole and in the ground and hid his master's money. You continue reading in verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted your talent, your two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master, in verse 26, answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the darkness, into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What really begins as a story about this man and his business ventures, his journeying, and his entrusting of his accounts to his slaves, his servants, ends with the judgment of a wicked and lazy servant. There are some really important principles here that we need to learn. Remember, this is a parable that Jesus is giving. That He expects us to, at the hearing of this to draw certain spiritual principles that we need to be putting into our life that we can then use in service to the kingdom of God. And so we want to first this morning look at some of the spiritual principles that we learn from reading and studying this parable. That those spiritual lessons are going to involve recognizing where talents come from. And here, as he's talking about talents, it's important to just understand at the beginning of this, in the parable, that a talent was a certain amount of money that this master was giving his accounts 
into his servants that he entrusted, who had shown to have some ability. And so the master is giving his business over to a few other guys while he is away for some time. But as we all recognize, this is not just a business lesson. It's not just a principle of how to conduct good business and make money and invest or something of that nature. This is about spiritual things. And what we come to recognize is that the master is the one who gives ta talents. In verses 14 and 15, it's this man who is about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. As the master was leaving, he found suitable men to take care of his business. He gave the men talents for trading, banking, and conducting business. He found men who were capable of doing this. It's very important to acknowledge in verse 15 that he found people who had ability to do these things, to be faithful to this task. He found men who had the ability and the knowledge and the know-how to do it. But there is something that we also have to recognize is that these were not the proper business owners. These were managers. These were people who were put in charge of someone else's account. They were stewards of the master's money. When we begin to think ahead to applications that we might want to make, we need to acknowledge that when we talk about our talents and our abilities as servants of the Lord within the context of the local church, that we have a certain number of talents each one of us has, that God is the one who has given us those talents. In the book of 1 Corinthians in the 12th chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts. So there are many kinds of gifts, he says. But the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There are several things that we can see from this passage, but what Paul here calls gifts that is something that is given to us that we did not previously have. And those gifts come from God. He mentions the triune God. He mentions the Spirit, the Lord, and God the Father. And how that all of these gifts, they come from the triune, three persons of the Godhead. And these gifts are not to be hoarded. They're not meant to be buried in the ground somewhere. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 7, he says, But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That these gifts are meant to be used for the benefit of the common good for other people. And so whenever you begin to think about our spiritual applications that we will make in this lesson. 
We need to understand that our talents and our abilities, they have come from God. They have been given to us from God to be used for God and for His people, for the common good among His people. Our spiritual talents may need to be discovered. And we don't need to be afraid of stepping out and embracing that journey of self-discovery. Because you might be surprised what God is able to do through you. Because these gifts, they don't come from your own talent and ability. They really come from God. That's the first thing that we need to recognize. is That any talent or any ability that we might have, it comes from the Lord. And we need to be grateful that He gives us such talent. A second principle that we need to learn from the parable of the talents, in Matthew chapter 25, and beginning in verse 16, we get this story of how these people use these talents, these three servants and slaves of the Master. That You have the guy that was, re- was given five talents. He went out and he traded. It says in verse 16, Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. The same is true for the guy with two talents. He went and he traded, he made some business decisions, and he gained two more talents. Both of them doubled what they had been given. And we see that is what the Master intended. Whenever he came back to check his books, he brought these servants before him, and whenever they told him what they had done, that they had traded and doubled what they had been entrusted, he praised them in verse in verses 23 and in verse 20 uh, or, or verse uh, 21 and verses 23. He says, "Well done, good and faithful slave, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. These men are praised and rewarded for their diligence, for their faithfulness. And we see that this is the principle that is trying to be conveyed that talents are meant to be used. They are meant to grow. And they are meant to increase. We saw this principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But another passage of Scripture that I would point you to is found in 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, as Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he mentions to them how they are excelling and that they are doing very well. But there are still some things that they need to be seeking to improve. And he tells them that they are capable of doing this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse 12, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. That the Lord is with us when we seek to work and serve in the kingdom of God, in the church, as we seek to put our talent and our ability to use, as we try to grow and increase our talents that we're not in this venture alone. We have God with us. We have God on our side. 
But what is interesting as you look at the parable of the talents, we have the two that are commended. The five-talent man and the two-talent man, but then there's that one-talent man who buries his talent in the ground. And what we learn is that there are really two kinds of people in the kingdom of God. There's the worker and there's the sloth, the lazy person. And the five-talent man and the two-talent man are one and the same. They were the faithful servants. They were the workers who put the master's money to use. But we learn about this one-talent man. It's not that he was judged because he had less talents. That he had fewer talents to, to use at his disposal. That's not why he was judged. He was judged based on his work or lack thereof. That he did not put the master's talent to use. In Matthew chapter 25 and in verse 24, we see that he is the lazy one. That even though he knew what he ought to do, that he knew what the judge required, he knew what his master was expecting. And even with that knowledge, he still refused to go out and conduct just good business sins. In verse 26, it says, His master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You wicked, lazy slave. And we learn that he did not use his talent because of fear. In verse 25, in his own words, he says, And I was afraid. I was afraid. And went... Away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. I think we need to acknowledge that there is fear that is associated with using our talent. Using our talents and ability, it's natural to have fear. Because it requires us to step out on our own, to make some decisions. It requires us to be vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with those feelings of fear and anxiety that someone might experience. But if our fear controls us and keeps us from using what God has given us to use, then we allow fear to become a handicap and an excuse. One talent servant was not judged in how successful he was in comparison to the others. He was judged based solely upon his own actions. You may only have one talent. And God is not going to judge you for not being a five-talent person. Whenever... I was growing up and we were living in in Arkansas and the church had just gone through the process of appointing elders and deacons. And my dad was asked to serve as a deacon at that time. And he was also the full-time preacher. And so the elders, they understood his his work in that he was going to already have a lot of things on his plate. And so they 
gave him less of the duties that would be assigned to deacons. Others, and so some of the deacons, they got more work than others. And so it went around that my dad was the one talent man. That was the joke that we had for him. But what we have to acknowledge is that there is, we're not going to be judged based on not being the five talent guy if we're only the two-talent guy or the one-talent person. But we have to also recognize very equally is that while we might have two, three, or four or more talents, and if we are wasting those talents by not using what we have, then we are going to be judged for our lack of doing and using what the Lord has given us. Because God is with us in this journey. God is with us and He will allow us to grow and increase in our abilities if we set our mind and purpose to doing so. We also learn that talents can be wasted. The master of the parable gave according to their abilities. It's not like that one talent man had no ability. He had some ability. And he was given some work to prove himself. And he wasted his opportunity. He wasted the, ta- the, the master's money. And instead of using what he had, the one talent servant wasted his opportunity by just burying that talent in the ground and not using it at all. And the master was rightfully angered by this because he expected more from this man. He expected more from him. And I think what you have to acknowledge is that spiritual talents and gifts, they take time to develop. They take some time to grow. Just as financial Investments will take some time to grow and to develop. In, in Matthew chapter 25, the language that this man uses as he's talking to his master, he says in verse 24, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. He's talking about fruit. And, and he's using this own language of that he expected growth, that he knew this master expected growth and profitability at the end of the day. Even when there appeared to be a fruitless venture, he still expected something to come from it. Our spiritual talents, we might look like a barren wasteland. You might think that I have no talent to use whatsoever. But if we're not trying to grow if we're not trying to produce, if we're not making an attempt to become profitable for God, and using our skills and abilities, then we are wasting what God has given us. Because most people aren't prodigies. Successful people get to where they are because of diligence, discipline, and determination. And the same is true for our spiritual talent. Are we seeking ways and opportunities to find out what abilities and talents we might possess? Or are we squandering 
our talents by keeping them buried and hidden. You might even be hiding them from yourself. And a fourth principle that we see here is that we are going to be judged for how we use or we do not use and waste our talents. The end of this parable again ends with judgment that this one talent man who wasted that talent, he was thrown into outer darkness in that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth because he was a worthless slave. And what seems like a story about buried treasure becomes a story of eternal consequence and how we use our talents and our abilities is going to be judged by Christ. We need to appreciate the warning of the parable. That we cannot be resting on our laurels. We cannot be satisfied with where we are at. Because our soul hangs in the balance. So how are we expected to put these principles in application? There's a whole host of things that we can talk about in terms of application of the parable. But I think first we have to recognize some financial stewardship that we have received a great number of blessings from God. That we have been given financial blessings from the Lord. We live in a very prosperous nation. And while we may not feel like we are rich, we have what we need for the most part, I think. In the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 3, in Proverbs chapter 3 and in verses 9 and 10, Solomon says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Tells us that we need to honor our God with our money. And what we have in our bank account, it is supposed to be used as a reflection to honor God and what we think about God. How much are we considering God in our financial decisions? Are we wasting our money or are we just spending it on frivolous things and creating our own hobbies, or do we use our money for the glory of God? Do we put it to work for the kingdom of God? Do we share with others who might be less fortunate? In Proverbs chapter 11 and in verse 25, he says, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. That we, when we give to others, we end up being the ones who are blessed. As Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That principle is echoed in the book of Proverbs and in other places as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as Paul was writing to the church at Corinth about the collection for the saints and the need to give to others who were less fortunate, who had suffered for some causes in, in other places in the world uh, from natural disaster and such and famine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 6, Paul says, Now this I say, who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
And if we're just hoarding for ourselves, you're not going to reap any benefit to that. But if you sow bountifully, if you're generous, then you're going to reap bountifully. It may not come back to you in terms of more money, but you will have a greater reward. And so he says in verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. We need to use our financial resources for the glory of God. I think that's one application that we learn from this parable. We also need to serve others with our talents, our abilities that we have, our gifts that we have been given. In the book of 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, the Apostle Peter says here, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 10, Peter says on this occasion, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says that if you have this gift, you need to be using it. You need to employ it in serving one another. You don't keep it to yourself. You don't keep it hidden. You don't keep it buried way down deep. You bring it up. You bring it out so others can benefit from it. Others with your talents. It's not selfish to use your talent and your abilities. It is selfish to keep them hidden and to not find ways to make them grow and increase. Encourage, I find to be true, at least for me. And I find it very comforting if, if you know me then like, if you want my opinion on something, it, it kind of is hard to get, get it out because I want everyone to get along. <laughs> I like everyone to get along and to be happy and to be unified. So sometimes I, I find that opinions can be very divisive. And so in the right context, uh, I'm going to be playing play my cards close. And what I find to be true is that I am able to preach God's Word because I realize I'm not preaching my own opinion. I'm preaching what God has revealed to us. That I take great comfort and courage and that you're not hearing what Sean thinks about this. That you are hearing what God has said about things. That I'm preaching God's message, not my own message, thoughts and opinions. And so, while I might be shy on certain things, 
when it comes to preaching God's Word and God's message, I want to preach it all day long. Don't worry, I won't. But I want to. Serve others with your talents. If you have something to say, speak as the oracles of God, He tells us. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we have qualifications for men who would serve as elders and deacons. And you read that list of qualifications in that passage. They are very similar to each other. And what you have to come to acknowledge and realize is that that did not happen by accident. That someone did not just wake up at the age of 40 and say, well, I think I'm going to, to start living by, by these. Maybe they do that, and do it well, but they still had to make a decision. They still had to make some changes in their life. You read that list of qualifications and you realize that it takes purpose and intent. You don't get to bury your talent in the ground for 10-15 years and then just say, well, I'm qualified. That's not how that happens. That it takes intent and purpose to serve in those roles. We need to be searching for ways that we can see to it that we are qualified to be an elder or a deacon. We need to be striving for that. We need to be working to develop that in our young men. We need to be teaching them of the principles that they need to be making decisions now, today, so that they are capable of serving God's people in those roles in the future. We need to be developing teachers among ourselves. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews the 5th chapter, and in verses 12-14, through 14, Hebrew writer says, this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. It's interesting there in verse 12, he uses the word ought in that English translation. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. That word ought, in the original Greek, it is a financial term, actually, which I found very fascinating, which means to be indebted. And so that we as saints of God, we are indebted to become teachers. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, that's the purpose, that's the, that's the goal that we are all striving to become. As men and women, as Christians... As the children of God, we are striving to become that. We are indebted to be using that talent. We are meant to grow to such a point where we can pass along and share our knowledge to others. And at least in the first thing that we can think of as parents might teach their children, grandparents might teach their grandchildren, that we are preparing 
always the next generation that would come after us. And someone may say, well, preacher, I'm no teacher, I'm no preacher, I can't get up in front of people. If you've taught children, if you have children, if you're a parent, then you have some capacity to teach. might be a question of what are you teaching your children? Are you teaching them what's important? Are you teaching them what is right? The principle is true that tells us that if we're not progressing, then we are digressing. That's obviously true here. He said in verse 12 that you ought to be teachers, but now you have need to be given the milk of the Word. You need to be given the ABCs again. You need to be given the most basic elementary principles of the oracles of God because you need milk, not solid food. He's like, you need to be the ones who are teaching and giving milk to others, but now you yourselves are the one who need milk. We have seen that we are all on a trajectory in our life. We ought to be seeking to grow, to increase our talent and our ability. And we can with God's help and God's grace. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse 12, that passage that we looked at a little while ago, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound that it is God who is with us. And by God's grace, we can become what we ought to become. But as we see in the parable of the talents, there's the one talent man, he makes excuses. He uses fear as a crutch. And sometimes that's the excuse that we use. We are afraid And we say we're too afraid. Maybe it's fear of public speaking, fear of saying something wrong, fear of being asked a question that we don't have an answer to. Fear can definitely cause us to not put our talent to use and work. We might say we don't have time. Time ends up being a critical thing. And... Well, sometimes we are busy. We have seasons in life where we are busier than at other times and other seasons. Oftentimes, it's not about lack of time. It's about how we use our time. How are we using our time? Are we using our time for ourselves and for our hobbies? Or are we using it for the Lord and for others? And then sometimes we just assume that we don't have the talent. We don't have ability. But I think there are some things that we need to overcome to overcome those excuses. We need to choose faith over fear. Trust in God. Trust that He will bless you. Trust that if you try to attempt to grow, that He is going to be there because it's God who gives the increase. God is the one who blesses us. And He can help you overcome your fear. He can also... Be the one that you are serving. Your time. Use time for the Lord. Use time for others. 
We don't need to always be using our time for ourselves. We need to use time to help and to serve the people of God. And instead of assuming that you don't have the talent, why don't we assume that God is going to bless us and give us the talent? Both are an assumption, maybe. But why not assume that God is going to be with us rather than assume that we don't have it? Because we do know that we have God on our side. And if we have God, then we can become what we ought to be. We need to learn from the parable of the talents. We need to remember that God gives each one according to your ability, and He expects you to work and to use your talents for Him. And we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will all stand before Him. We will have to give an account for what we have done for our work and our service and the use of our talents, or if we have wasted our abilities, if we've not been using our gifts to help others. Have we been wicked and lazy? Or have we been faithful and profitable? There's no question that we could all improve our talent and service to God. That is no doubt. But we want to admonish you this morning and encourage you to begin using your talent for the Lord to put your abilities into service of God so that you can enter into the joy of your Master once this life is over. We certainly want to avoid the fate that was given to the one talent man, where he was condemned to outer darkness in that place where weeping and gnashing of teeth are. We want to avoid that fate. We don't want to spend eternity there, away from our God. This morning, you can enter into the joy of your Master if you have prepared your life as such. And the first thing that you need to do to secure that place is by becoming a Christian. If you have not yet obeyed the Gospel, we want to encourage you to become a child of God so that you can have the hope of eternal life with the Lord once this life is over. If we can help you in some way, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?